Welcome to the Type Tune Tint Podcast. I'm Tom Kranz. Traveling down the turnpike, heading for the shore. A thought just then occurred to me I never thought before. I've been a lot of places, seen pictures of the rest. But of all the places I can't think of, I like Jersey best. New Jersey takes its share of hits in the media and cultural arts, but it's a state rich in history, including history that's being made today. At the intersection of New Jersey's past and present is Fred Rossi, a career journalist who, amazingly, has worked at the same local newspaper for 23 years. As a lifelong history buff and New Jersey native with great writing chops, he put all those qualities to work to write the book Jersey Stories. Fred joins me today. You can't have Miami. I love the Garden State. I've been a lot of places, seen pictures of the rest. But of all the places I can think of, I like Jersey best. And Fred Rossi joins me now from his uh, palatial estate in uh, Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Fred, how are you today? Very good. Very good, Tom. Good, good. So um, Fred and I tend to run into each other uh, in places in and around uh, this part of New Jersey, Fanwood and Scotch Plains. Fred has been a journalist for many years at our local weekly newspaper that recently uh changed hands and changed names. Uh, and I kind of do the same thing for our town. So we we sometimes show up at the same events. Uh, but a couple of years ago, Fred wrote a book, uh, which we're going to get to shortly, uh, Jersey Stories, um, which is really great. I mean, even if you're not a New Jersey person, there's history in here that you probably never knew is ascribed to New Jersey. And damn it, you should know that. All right. So, but Fred, first, tell me uh, a little bit about your background. Did you grow up as a journalist? Did you go to school for that? Or did you go to school for tool and dye making? I, um, yeah, I grew up in New Jersey, born and raised here. I grew up down the shore, mostly in Ocean Township, just next to Asbury Park. Uh, spent most of the 1980s in and out of college in Washington and Virginia, Northern Virginia, hmm. um, pursuing a political science degree. And um, for about three of those years, I dropped out and worked at a uh, newsletter publisher down in Arlington, Virginia, which kind of lit the spark for being you know, in, in the journalism field in general. Um, and by the time I went back to college to get my degree, it's like too late to change majors. So I just kind of wrote out the uh, political science degree field and then got my degree and came back to New Jersey immediately. And um Decided to give journalism a whirl, even though I had never really written anything except a couple of the writing courses in college. Mm. And my very first journalism job was in uh, Fanwood at uh, the now departed Whitaker Newsletters, uh, owned by Joel Whitaker. Or I think you might know him. Back yeah, he 19- was uh, he was on their council when I first got. Yeah, there. yeah, he was on the council for a little while, but I worked for him uh, starting in 1988 and wrote some business newsletters for him for several years. And then uh, left there, went to a consulting firm in Linden and wrote a newsletter right as the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe were being liberated. And it was basically a newsletter about business opportunities for U.S. companies over there. And the sources were impossible to find. It was a very hard one to write because there was nothing out there. There was no information. Um, so I was there for about five, five six years. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Work. I was walking down downtown Westfield one afternoon in nineteen in the fall of nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety eight, and I walked past the Westfield Leader office and I'm like, yeah, let me just pop in here and see if they need any help. And uh, 
I never looked back. And the rest is <laughs> history. You've been there for his beat about a month later and uh, 23 and a half years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you've been in, yeah, in six months stint, but it's uh, turned into a, the, one of the most fun things and experiences of my life. Wow. So the Westfield leader at the time uh, served mostly Westfield, New Jersey, but then there was a second version that was much of the paper was the same, except the front page, which was right. the uh, Scotch, Scotch Plains, Plains the Times, Times of Scotch Plains Fanwood. And your right. work showed up in both of those papers. Yeah. So I started covering the council there in December of 98 and then um, gradually added on the planning and zoning boards to my beat. And then any, anything except the Board of Education I cover basically now. So, Right. Um, do you, so after 23 years, I think it's fairly common knowledge at this point that local, the local newspaper business has really changed, not for the, yeah. not for the better, I think for people looking for news, what's it done? What's your, your take on that? And how has it affected you specifically and what you're covering and how often that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, just, Thinking back when I started, it was our paper, the Record Press, which was another local mm-hmm. paper. The Suburban News was pretty active in Scotch Plains still. I remember seeing their reporter at some of the meetings early on. And now it's basically me. And then you have the, t- the TAP uh, online paper, which uh, covers, it's, yeah, it's not as, it's more of a community, a community newspaper right. with you know, not as much hard news as ours, ours tends to have. Um, you know, lots of pictures and lots of, you know, announcements of events and things like that. So, I mean, I basically, you know, think we're, I'm the only game in town. If you want to know what's going on in town, you know, town government anyway, and elections and all that. So you still cover government and you you cover still hard news as it were. It's all I do. Yeah. I cover the council regularly mm-hmm. and the planning and zoning boards. I cover the elections. I cover all the downtown redevelopment stuff that's underway. Um, I don't cover the board of ed, but I cover, you know, anything else and feature stories and all that stuff. But well, I've been a news consumer my entire life. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, for, you know, you're like a hero because how many (laughs) people are there like you, you know, in any places I know, um, you know, John Mooney, who, who publishes the tap into which you've mentioned, and that's our local online publication here, you know, John's great. And John is a journalist and he's a writer, but John is the owner he also does sales and he covers, he covers government, he Everything. covers football yeah. games and Traffic he takes accidents. the pictures, right. Yeah. And he does all of that. So he can't possibly be in a million places, places at once. Oh, I know. I know. You, he's, of course. He's got, my, he's got my admiration and um, I, you know, I, I truly, like I said, I, it's been the funnest experience, you know, just getting to meet dozens and hundreds of great people in Scotch Plains and as well as Fanwood and Westfield and, um, you know, making a lot of, a lot of friends and over the years, um, you know, every, every year I, at the end of the year, I thought, well, maybe I'll hang it up this year. And then I'm like, no, I want to see what no. happens next year, you what know, she gonna do, election right? coming up or some other things are coming up. So I want to stick around and see what happens. So good for you, I'm here till I'm 90. <laughs> That's good. And, you know, I'll keep reading the, the newspaper used to be the leader is now called the Hawk of Union County. It was sold a couple of years ago and they now cover what is it? Seven different communities, something like that. Yeah, they we cover... expanded into Clark and I think Summit too. Yeah, um, Garwood, I think, and they, they cover Brantford. a lot of different towns. So I'm finding that Fanwood's not getting in the papers as often as it used to, and I think that the editor is trying very hard to stick to as much 
harder news as she can, you know, and I think yeah. suddenly also, you're covering seven towns. You have to yeah, be and we're short-handed too. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll attend a Fanwood meeting if I am free, but it's, you know, it's very hard to get, get reporters. I mean, and people who know how to write too, it's, it's tough. Sure. So have you always been a history buff? I mean, we're going to talk yeah. about Jersey stories now, which is your book. It's the name of your book. Um, it's exactly what it says. Uh, for those of you who are out there, you, 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 first of all, you need to buy this book right away. If you live in New Jersey, for sure. But if you don't, you need to find out about the first, the first person to vote, the first black man to vote uh, after the 15th Amendment was passed, the person who was almost the president of the United States, but not quite, Mr. Hobart. Were you yeah. always interested in history or did you just... Um, for as long as I can remember, probably. I mean, I remember being 10 years old and waking up in the morning and riding my bike to the Krauser's convenience store by my house to get the newspaper (laughs) and reading, you know, read the sports section probably for the first year or two. And then I slowly expanded, but I think 1976 is when I really became a a news and history addict with the presidential campaign. And then I just, I got into it. (laughs) So, yeah. So this book is packed with these great stories. Um, and did you, and you've got like 10 pages of citations and, and sources. Did you, how long did it take you to gather all this? Or was this book just a, a kind of an extension of what you've been doing, you know, kind of as a hobby all your life? Um, well, actually, it, about, uh, what was it 2010 or so? I had had this idea for a calendar, a wall calendar for about 10 or 15 years, like a New Jersey wall calendar with every date on the calendar, every month with a little, you know, this on this date in New Jersey history, this happened, just a little sentence. So-and-so was born or the Hindenburg blew up or blah, blah, blah. But I never did it. I just collected these bits and pieces of information, date information over the years. I had, you know, 10, 15 years, I had it on a piece of paper. And then finally about 2010, I decided, all right, let me see if I can do this calendar. And I assembled all this stuff and I got filling all the dates that I hadn't filled in yet. And I published it um, in 2011 and 2012, and it was fun and it was great, you know. But the sales were tough, and it was a lot of very expensive to uh, to get it printed in color and advertise for it. So it was just a two year lark, and I forgot about it. And um, yeah, about three years ago, I guess now, yeah, June of 19, 2019, I was working on some other independent writing stuff, a short story I was writing on, working on, and a screenplay. And I ran into writer's block on both of them, and I was frustrated. <laughs> then yeah, I just right. a light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, oh, wait, let me dig that calendar. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> just no, out of the blue. And um, I started about this time in June of 2019. And 24-7, it was just on my mind. I thought about it in my sleep. Really? So you work. just kind of you banged it out all at once, basically? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I I went to the calendar and wrote down about twenty entries that I thought could be researched into you know, full chapters. And um, yeah, I just spent every day researching and um, writing the first draft. It took about four months to write the whole book, research and write write the first draft. And then um, yeah, my sister read it for me. I read it and reread it several times. Mm. I took pictures. I laid it out and you know, proofread it. And my main objective was not to embarrass myself. Oh, of course. (laughs) I don't want people, you know, reading and snickering behind my back. So I I was very careful not to, you know, make it happen. This started as your calendar, which kind of was like an outline. And then you just kind of flushed out the stories that you liked. Yeah. I mean, you know, for the, um, 
the one about the Garrett Hobart from Patterson, I had, I think on a calendar, I think I had his birthday you know, or something like, you know, just some reference to him. So I just went on the internet and found a, a biography that was written about him after he died. I, I read a memoir that his widow wrote 30 years after his death. I found, you know, millions of newspaper clippings from, you know, the time he was a New Jersey politician up until Washington and his death and, you know, and that's what it was. I just wrote everything in longhand, all the notes, and then just put them all together each for each chapter, one wow. at a time. Very cool. So um, I, I reviewed your book when it first came out a couple of years ago, and I'm going to r- read about Mr. Ho- Since you brought up uh, Garrett Hobart, I just love this guy's story. And I wrote yeah. my favorite story is Hobart's, who by every account was an honorable, honest, affable, humble, reluctant politician who treated the office of vice president with respect and shunned the trappings of privilege. He's credited with elevating the office to more than just an afterthought of history. Uh, Fred Rossi tells his story with uh, detail and a certain amount of affection, a kind of homage to an individual who, if not for his premature death to illness, may well have been the 26th president of the United States instead of Teddy Roosevelt. What I loved about this guy is that the whole idea that you can be, you know, a high profile politician and be honorable, honest, affable, humble, and a reluctant politician. I love that. And we, God, don't we really need that this and, right yeah, now, and, you know? And to be like, liked and respected by both parties too, immensely, you know, in Trenton and Washington, he was, you know, everyone liked him, not just because he was a nice guy, but because he was, he was honorable and, you know, honest and decent. So now you yeah. also have um, you have somebody in your distant past who is a figure in history. Tell us about Nathaniel. Yeah, um, well, um, back during right before the Revolutionary War, um, the King of England appointed Ben Franklin's son, who was a Tory, as the royal governor of New Jersey. Um, obviously, Father Ben was fighting for independence, and his son William Franklin was siding with the king. Um, the royal governor's mansion was in Perth Amboy and it's still standing there. It's a proprietary house. It's a few blocks in from the, uh, from the waterfront. And um, so in the uh, 1776, the rebels in New Jersey finally had enough of them and they declared him an enemy to the people. And they ordered a guy named Colonel Nathaniel Hurd, who was a militia leader to go to Perth Amboy, arrest him and remove him from power. <laughs> and this was in mid June of 1776. So after a couple of days of negotiation, they, pulled him out of the proprietary house and brought him down to Burlington where the other state capital was at the time. And he was done. Um, and that was, that was the story. Um, the footnote to it is Nathaniel Hurd went on to be a brigadier general in the revolutionary war. He lived in Woodbridge and um, he died in, I guess the late seven, I think 1794 or 1792. I think his great, great, granddaughter in the 1800s and mid 1800s married my great, great grandfather. And um, so I'm Nathaniel Hurd's uh, great, 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 great grandson. How'd you find that out? I heard that all my life. My my, my father, right? um, my father, and my aunt, you know, my parents told me this, you know, we we're related to, you know, some revolutionary war guy. And I heard the name. Um, I knew the very vague outlines of the story. But once I started researching it, I found out more about him, um, William Franklin as well went to his grave site in uh, Woodbridge at the Presbyterian church. So mm. it was very neat to, you know, confirm that I wasn't being lied to all these years. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. That's so, really yeah. cool. Do you have any yeah, other books yeah. in the works? Um, at the moment? No, I I'm thinking about doing another one 
maybe um, kind of the same theme as the Jersey Stories book, maybe with new stories or, you know, whatever, but I need a, you know, a big dose of, <laughs> a big dose of time and confidence and uh, get to itism. <laughs> so I can. Well, you must have the confidence by now. I know time is always an issue, especially when you have a day job, as we like to say. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that you have anything else to prove. This book is great. I, I found it interesting. And, you know, I'm a reluctant New Jersey transplant. I'm from Philadelphia. I moved up here mm-hmm. in 1994 because I got a job in New York and Fanwood was as close as I could get to New York and, you know, afford a house, basically. Yeah. So, you know, I certainly had heard all the, all the kind of, you know, the stuff that people laugh at New Jersey about, uh, you know, mobs and, and corruption and all that stuff. But people, there's nothing wrong with learning about actual history about New Jersey. You should try it sometime. Yeah, and this is it, a great, yeah. this book is a great place to start. How can we buy your book, Fred? Um, I'm selling it out of my house right now. Um, you can email me. I have an email address and then I can send you links to pay via Venmo or PayPal um, or Zelle. And my email address is jerseystoriesnj at gmail.com. So it's J-E-R-S-E-Y-S-T-O-R-I-E-S-N-J. So jerseystoriesnj at gmail.com. And you have a Facebook page also for the book, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Jersey Underline Stories. So if they search Jersey Stories or Jersey underscore stories, they'll find it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Fred, I really appreciate it. And uh, again, I, I really love your stories. I really, uh, I wish you nothing but success. I'll see you on the, on the road, I guess. And uh, yeah. I'll you know, race you to on... the next book, book completion. Exactly. <laughs> and, you'll uh, win. You know, keep on, telling the, keep on telling the stories of our community in the newspaper. I appreciate it. Thanks. I, All I right, man. Well. You bet. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Tom. But of all the places I can't think of, I like The Earth is dying a slow death. The 5,000 people living on the moon are in trouble. Their paradise has become a cautionary tale of human weakness. We need a hero. Enter Rick Mack and the Planetary Commission to save the Earth, the moon, and themselves. Moon Rescue. Escape from the Dome by Tom Krantz. Now available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook. These are the questions explored in the podcast Type Tune Tint. Tom Kranz chats with writers, musicians, and artists, most of whom found their talent by accident, late in life, or hiding under layers of denial. Subscribe to Type Tune Tint wherever you get your podcasts.